It's all part of the plan, DC Talk. My name's Mitch, and uh, hey, we've uh, we've dragged him out of uh, his preferential area of Marvel and Star Wars and Star Trek into some uh, dark reaches of DC. Hey, what the hell am I doing here? Hello, Maddie. What's <coughs> look? My voice is just like <laughs> <laughs> the air in here is different. Can't talk. Can't talk DC. Oh, mate, you walked out of the wing that is dedicated to your preferred live action mm. adaptations, yeah. and you walked past at the wrong time, and I was about to record, and I'm like, oi! Uh-oh. Get in here! So here we are. Now, I'm gonna. I'm not going to keep you around for my uh, my, my journey through the uh, Arrowverse and Extended. Right? Not going to do that. I've got some reviews that are going to be coming up. That's what I do each and every week. Uh, just some of the news, which news is a bit Blatton light in this particular. I am. I am. Uh, it's like a completionist who um, mm. self-loathes yeah. is how I identify You're it. in an abusive relationship with um, Belanti. I'm in an abusive relationship with The Legend of Tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> to be specific, although there's some other highlights in there as well. You're not going to be kept around for that, but uh, even the news, a little bit light on over the last week. I'm not going to go anything over the last month since our last uh, episode of some DC talk because, you know, again, we're talking three, four weeks old news. Basically, over the weekend, I think it was the second uh, weekend of, uh, of Blue Beetle. Are you aware much of that? Are you looking forward to when that comes out? Will you watch it? Like I will, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Young Justice mm. Season 2 introduced me to Blue Beetle. Uh, the whole season is about... Blue Beetle and Jaime Reyes and stuff like that was my first introduction. And yeah. it's really, really good. So I do have a high bar, but high hopes. It looks looks good Yeah, from what I've seen so far. Yeah, it looks fine. I have heard some – because the annoying thing is, is two movies at the moment. I get that we've got some school holidays coming up here in Australia. But the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie mm. and Blue Beetle have both been out in the States for multiple weeks now. Really? We get the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles here on September 7, and we get Blue Beetle, I think, on September 14. Like, oh, so, what fucking year is it? So we're not going to do a, a Barbenheimer? We're gonna, we're not gonna, what, would, what would that be? To be the um, Blue blue Teetles? Bleedles? Blue Teetles? Let's leave it at Teetles, yeah, mate. Teetles? That's the name of the episode. Thank you. <laughs> blue Teetles. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, that'd be one. I mean, in saying that, Barbenheimer did come out at the same day, and mm. I still haven't seen Oppenheimer, but I saw Barbie after a, a I haven't week, seen either yet. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I was only ever going to see Barbie. Of course you were. See <laughs> it's not even a Gerwig thing or a director thing. You, do, I mean, you just don't. You don't. You don't Nolan. Yeah, I don't Nolan. You don't Nolan at all. I don't Nolan at all. No. But you're Robbie. No. Oh, won't yeah. you Robbie? You're Gosling. Oh, absolutely, Gosling. Yeah. How are you? I, if anything, I will Liu, you more, will Liu. more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I will shung all of my sheep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, okay, well, yeah, that, that double will uh, have to wait for us because I'm so pissed off about that. I'm like, I get we're going to make more money mm. for those movies, especially Turtles in School Holidays, but also yeah. I'm an adult who is a fan of this stuff. It's maybe not necessarily aimed at me, but I'm also having to read and listen to uh, people that have, you know, okay, I could say off social media. Yeah. I work in digital content. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, anyway, Blue Beetle, second weekend at the US box office. Did actually, I think it held all right. Um, there is a thing called National Cinema Day in the States, which I only found out sure. about, I think, yesterday. And apparently it was really, really popular because they must have like discounted tickets or whatever. Oh. But makes it cheaper for people to go to the cinema. A lot more people packed in the cinema. and That's uh, good because they have those. I feel like the States has that... They just go over the top and have those ridiculous, like, here's a $40 popcorn bucket, commemorative mm. popcorn bucket that you can have. Yeah. 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 To go you along with your you know, $20 seats, which I mm. think pound for pound, dollar per seat, it, we're probably more expensive in Australia at mm. like our higher class cinemas than what they are in the States. When I hear like an average price ticket over there, 
it probably works out to be the same yeah. for once you um, you know look at uh, the currency exchange. But also but a large soft drink for us, you know, is mm. a certain size. They're paying less than that and getting like a full gallon. Yeah. Just, and then free refills. It's a fuel drum. Just yeah. stick a straw into it. Yeah. So uh, good news for that. And I'm hoping, like, because the trailer, I did talk about it on one of the old episodes of the show. The, the trailer looks like a great 2005 comic book movie. Mm. Didn't do, And I don't know the character. I haven't seen Young Justice, haven't read comics, done nothing. The character doesn't really mean anything to me. I don't have any history with it. I'm hoping for great things. And, mm. like, there are great moments in the trailer. It just I think the way that it was cut up made it look like it was from a different era of these films. And I think when, again, I, people listening to this, not in the crowd that I'm talking about, but generally speaking, and right now we're sitting in a, in, a, in a radio station studio where I broadcast with some great mates of mine. They're, they're older, but they don't partake in the superhero-ness of pop culture. If Blue Beetle starts, and when it finally starts advertising on TV, they'll be like, oh, how does he fit into Iron Man? Like, they mm, don't know. Yeah. Right? Marvel and DC are the same thing to most of the people. My wife would not know the difference. And she unfortunately has to listen to me talk about a lot of it she just <laughs> why would she have to know so uh, i i i don't want to say it's the dc side of stuff but if it at all comes back into that like we're fresh off flash um Shazam 2 um and i mean i did, I did hear a lot of go, uh, back I, you go i've been trying to Stay away, but I did hear some people comparing Blue Beetle to the first Shazam in a lot of okay, ways. Okay, yeah. Just in terms of the family element mm. and, and all that kind of stuff and, and a lot of – if you break it down into certain character beats, apparently it's very similar to okay. um, uh, Shazam. Yeah, right, okay. Mm. Maybe like a, a Miss Marvel – in a Shazam world, yeah. in a sense, yeah. yeah, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I'll have loved those moments um, in the in the trailer. And what I did hear from the people that have seen it in the states, they said the trailer doesn't do the movie justice. It was oh, like the good. trailer editor did not know how to cut up a trailer for right. this film. So I'm looking, uh, I'm looking forward to that. So I do love that actor too because uh, I first was introduced to him yeah. in Parenthood back yes. in the day when he was like 12 mm. or younger even. Um, and then obviously he was in um, uh, Karate Kid. Yeah, uh, Cobra, Kai. Cobra Kai. So when you say, obviously, I haven't watched that. What kind of role? He's obviously not the main player. But he is. He's the main guy. Is he the main guy? See, yeah, I don't know anything. I have no idea about the show. Yeah. I don't. I want to watch it. Okay. Well, I guess, I guess you know you know the, the main guy of Cobra Kai, like not Daniel Sun, but Daniel mm. Sun's enemy, the blonde guy. Yep. He's grown up and he's like a washed up douchebag. Yeah. He starts his own like little dojo, um, dojo mm. and that's his student that's his right. main that's the student that starts it all um and uh um is like living in his building and yeah. gets involved with that with that kid's mom yeah okay and then that kid gets involved with daniel son's daughter ah. and it's all high school stuff <laughs> um yeah no he's really good i like that I okay like that cool actor. yeah good because like that's what i've heard too is that he's they go he's a movie star he mm. he will survive because i mean that's the thing that james gunn's been saying as well is that this is the first dcu character it's not the first dcu film which it's like not the Snyderverse, Gunn is now in control, but it's mm. like he didn't play any creative role in this film. It wasn't under the DC Studios banner when it was written, directed, produced, edited, ready to go and all yeah, that sort right. of stuff. Um, so the character is set to return, or at least um, Jolo Mol- I can't remember his last. Anyway, the guy who plays yeah. Blue Beetle uh, will be back as Blue Beetle, but yes. maybe the events and canon of this particular film won't, except for when we 
need them to in that sort of confusing crossover, <laughs> you know, canon Netflix Daredevil now in the MCU perhaps sort of style. So anyway, uh, that's coming out. So yeah, I, I actually I'm really looking forward. I'm refreshing my emails every day, waiting for an invite to come through because as much as I complained about missing turtles, there was a screening on the weekend and um, I just didn't go to it. And so yeah, I haven't been overly excited about that one. I mean, when it was first announced, I'm like Seth Rogen plus Ninja Turtles. That's gonna be fantastic. And mm. then I saw the trailer and I'm like, pass. Wow. Okay. So. I've I've heard nothing but excellent things about it. So I was the same. I was like watching. I'm like, it's not grabbing me. But yeah. I've heard a lot of great in, reviews. In the same way that people like froth over the Spider Verse stuff. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that style of animation. Yeah, okay. The animation doesn't grab me. It's and almost I've, like which one? Because it's every style of animation. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then I feel like the Ninja Turtles film is looks very much like the Spider Verse. Yeah. Well, that, um, it does look like they've tried to throw everything at the wall. Like yeah. they're trying to Spider Verse this. Yeah. I'll check it out at some point. But yeah, at no point was I ever. Like oh my god, when's the screening? I have to go. All see right, it. fine. Oh, I don't need yeah, another yeah. plus one then. So that's you've you've lost the challenge. I you thought were, you missed. I thought you said you missed. Was, I thought you said we missed yeah, it. Yeah, but I'm sure there'd be another chance where I was going to invite you, but not. Nah, you take your boys to that one. Not take, anymore. Take your children, your kidlets. Oh, yep, sure. But I will. I will order that blue beetle shirt that I've been eyeing off. Oh, um, good man. Yeah, I'll, I'll order that. So mm. it looks. So I can go to the screening and pretend like I've been. A, <laughs> I'm a blue beetle stand. Oh, for Always lifetime. How many runs for life? Woo! Since 2012. <laughs> From a cartoon. Yeah. Now, the other reason I wanted you in here is because uh, mm. I've had something. I've sort of teased you uh, about it uh, in the in the hallways when we go over and do get into gate oh, as well. Oh, yeah, the whole saying about a piece of my body and a feather and all that kind of stuff. No, different chat, different chat. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we'll obviously get to that far sooner than, oh. than this. But I've had I, – I, I was in uh, – speaking of my kids, I was buying – no, I wasn't. Sorry, we had bought a television, and I went bought a new television. I walked past and saw a giant toy store, so I walked in there for myself. Excellent. Nothing to do with my kids. Um, I went in there and I looked at a lot of stuff, complained about the price of some Lego, and then I saw <laughs> something that I'm like, I need to get that for Maddie because oh. he won't want that. And you have a wonderful setup at your uh, at your headquarters, your yeah. home. You have many glass cabinets Indeed. stocked full of figurines and statuettes of all kinds. Yep. Different franchises, yeah, things you love. Transformers, Power Rangers, Ninja proudly, Turtles. Proudly on display. Sailor Moon, yep. Dragon Ball Z, Gargoyles. Yep. You've got everything. On. I'm not saying you have to put this in there because I think it will mess with the um, the feng shui, the, okay. the positive aura, because it's not even what it is. It's just, I guess, kind of what it represents oh, in no. a sense. I think you like. I can't believe you bought it. I hear always think it must be some weird piece of merch you got for nothing in a no, swag no, no. Bag okay, or something don't like feel that. bad. It Look wasn't. Out. It wasn't that much. It was weirdly priced. Like I don't think it had a price tag. I'm like, I don't care. I'm getting it. I went up there and oh, said, no. "Here," and they're like, "It's this much." And I'm like, "Oh, it's cheaper than I thought it would be." Oh, now I'm, now I'm even happier. Way. And that's again, it. I would happily spend more money on you. Oh. But I think you'll be happy that I didn't spend as much. Anyway, oh, no, I'm scared. So I'm nervous. It. I'm scared. Okay, so I, I will. Point out, it, it is a figurine of sorts. Oh, okay. I, I, it is a figurine. Yeah, well, but I've, I've put it into, I, didn't, I haven't got it wrapped, so I've just got it in a backpack <laughs> so that you can just unzip Classic. the backpack and, and okay. open it and um, pull it. I kind of, maybe you do it blind. Don't look when you put those. Oh, okay. So I'm going to do like maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like so here's, here's the bag. Okay. And then we can explain. I'm just, I'm just reaching in. Yeah. Am I cheating it? To, do I have to cheat it to the camera? No, no, no. The, camera. <laughs> the camera's on you. It's fine. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's a blister pack. It's a blister pack. <laughs> I can tell it's a blister pack. What do you. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Fuck you, Chris Pine, you piece of shit. 
Now, you love the first Wonder Woman film, right? It was great. Yeah. Everything that didn't include him was fantastic. Right. And so now I've got you, eh? Oh, Chris Pine figure. <laughs> Wonder Woman, Steve Trevor. Oh how could I, come God. on, how could I not buy that for you? No, I get it. I absolutely get it. I just, oh I look forward to where you put God. this. It'll be like behind your toilet cleaner in, in your bathroom. I want to put this skull head on, on his head. Yeah. So I, just, <laughs> I literally just sent you like two days ago oh, yes. a video of Chris Pine being the biggest douche ever yeah. talking about when he filmed the first Star Wars film, yeah. Star, Star Trek film, mm. about how he didn't know any of the techno people he was saying and fucking old mate JJ was just like, mate, it doesn't matter that you don't know what you're saying. The, the audience isn't going to know either. <laughs> just say it really fast. We'll put music over the top of it and everyone will know what you meant. And I'm like, Go fuck yourself. Because you don't like Abrams, you don't like Pine, the fact that they yeah. work together to ruin some Star Trek for you, but yeah. also the fact that the actor didn't go, this doesn't make any sense, this mumbo-jumbo, and then the writer-director going, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. So talk, like, to, talk to any actual Star Trek fan and they're like, it does matter. I like Pine. I probably like you know Abrams more because I've, I've seen more of his stuff and, and, and watched more of his part- television, but I can't defend that clip on anyone's behalf. The worst part is the, is it wasn't even that bad technobabble. It was just like, oh, a Romulan vessel has destroyed 15 Klingon vessels. Bro, there's Romulans and Klingons in the fucking film. There's, there's, I watched Eric that. Eric Banner is yeah. the Romulan. I knew I could see where it was going, and I'm like, I there's nothing about this that is not yeah. able to be understood. It's not like he's talking about the gravitational pull of a quantum filament singularity. <laughs> Or trying to recalibrate the fucking navigational deflector because the dilithium del- crystals, are, you know what I mean? Okay. It could have been so much hard. Oh, fuck. Oh, I'm going to do things. This is going to be a voodoo doll. This is going to be a voodoo doll yeah. at this point. Fucking look at that shit-eating face on him. God damn. He's got a double chin. Why yeah. would you make an action figure that gives him a double chin? Oh, my God. Look at look at this. Look at that douche. Look at him. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> Ironically, though, I'm looking on the back of it, you've got him and you've got three different versions of Gal Gadot, and he's actually the one that looks most like him compared yeah, to all the other yeah, ones. Yeah, it really does, yeah. Because yeah, otherwise wow. I would have bought the Gal Gadot. What? No. What? Oh, no. getting into far different territory. Anyway, wow. look, you're welcome, obviously. Thank you. <laughs> Don't thank me. Up at the end? Thank Don't you? thank me, but you're welcome. Ugh. What a dick. Him, not you. <laughs> Well, Matty's gone as it's time to get back into the DCTV reviews, my journey through the Arrowverse. Uh, Batwoman first up, as you can hear, it is episode 13 of season two. I'll give you a clue. Sophie must face a foe from her rookie days with the Crows. Ryan, Mary and Luke are also pulled into the villain's game. The tables turn on Alice when she finds herself in dire circumstances. I can't go any higher. Jacob continues to revisit the past. Now, we're back to the villain of the week stuff here, where the most interesting part of the episode is actually the B-plot. Batwoman is on the hunt for Wish.com's Riddler, but stuck being regular old Ryan with Sophie never leaving her side as they play this game of cat and mouse against the clock and then you've got the other side alice is still a hostage of black mask and more intriguingly a plaything for black mask's daughter aka a brainwashed kate k now to its credit this episode actually moves on two things i did not expect it to i didn't expect the show to do it so quickly one of them sophie revealing herself to ryan that she knows about her alter ego as batwoman and two alice figuring out that kate is alive and has been in front of her for the past two episodes and these two things happened 
very close to one another. One of them obviously being the big cliffhanger ending of the episode. And for the problem I foresaw presenting itself not actually coming into play, where the show made a point of Kate's voice remaining the same, I did actually like that Alice saw straight through the new face that she made for Black Mask's daughter, whose actual name escapes me, and recognised her sister's eyes. Sure, doing so through a face that looks similar to her own, herself being a twin of hers, it doesn't really matter. Same with Sophie telling Ryan that she knows her identity. I like the the subtle jabs early on and the reveal once things got life-threatening. It wasn't something that Sophie decided to hang on to, even in those dire circumstances, nor was it something that she just blew early with no real gain to come from it in the end. And... While Sophie did seem to keep the secrets or or at least not raid the Batcave beyond what she was asked to do, do we trust her to work with the team? Same as I said last week, the most interesting next step is not that she becomes just another ally. There is no there's no fun in that. We already have enough on Team Batwoman. What works with that theory though is is that the so far one-dimensional other officer that works with the Crows, that's on a mission to bring down Batwoman, he's there to take that part in the story. So Sophie naturally would fall more onto an ally side. Surely, though, Sophie does use that newfound knowledge to her advantage soon that will neither benefit that cop on his one-man mission, nor will it necessarily benefit Team Batwoman. As for the bad guy, though, now, look, I've read enough about Cluemaster to know that one, surprisingly, he has been around for a while, 1966 to be exact, and while he was a Batman rogue, back in the day. Obviously, we make him an antagonist for Batwoman on her own show. Now, if you just watched this episode on its own, you'd think it made sense why we had never seen this character explored on a more mainstream level before on TV or movies. I'm sure the actor was told to ham things up. I have no doubt. But when even the dialogue makes reference to his similarities to the Riddler, it just comes across as this lackluster copy by a guy that's playing a A side version of the Riddler, but he also likes different iterations of the Joker as a performer. Credit to the costume, though, for being comments accurate in the way that these shows or movies do for outfits with such loud colours and designs. Like, he did only wear it in one scene, and seemingly only to point out the fact that he was wearing it. But when Cluemaster, as a character, is not likely to be touched on again anytime soon, why the hell not throw it in there? I wonder, too, if the only reason that Cluemaster as a character, a Batman rogue from back in the day, was here to introduce his daughter, Stephanie Brown, a.k.a. Spoiler. Years behind in my watch-through of these shows, I do know that Luke dons a mask at one point. So the connection between these two characters in this episode, as two very, very smart people trying to work out a problem, surely foreshadows both of them suiting up in the future, possibly at the same time. And what's coming up next? Ah, oh, it's Legends. Episode 2, Season 6. God, I can't believe that. Ava hopes that her abilities will help lead them to locate the aliens spread out on the timeline, which could ultimately lead them to Sarah. Sarah tries to figure out a plan and runs into Amelia Earhart, who could be her ticket home. I mean, I've got it written down as a note, but I hadn't read that synopsis until just now, so this note has never been more apt. Once again, anything goes with this show. So after the events of last week, there are new aliens displaced all across time, giving the show a reason to exist for another season or as long as they deem necessary. And I'm sure I've said a hundred times or more about the idea that they are in this 
timeless space when the ship is just zipping around outside of the regular linear confines of time as we come to know it. So the idea that these aliens have been dispatched throughout time, surely by now they should know about every single one of them and where they have gone to disrupt the regular timeline. No, we find out about them week to week, days apart, because that's just what the show needs to cover. Whatever. Okay, I've just I've got to move on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've got to move on. But here we are, second episode, back into a brand new season of this entirely justifiable in its own production show. And an alien goes down to a small town in the mid-50s and finds itself being dispensed as a tasty burger sauce at a mum and pop burger shop that will lead to said town's massacre sure then you've got the other side of the plot where you've got sarah and gary who land on a seemingly good looking planet that they're not sure whether they can breathe the air there's dogs running around they decide to get out they run into amelia Earhart because reasons and it's i mean it's one thing this show does tend to do a fair bit they they throw in these historical figures i mean last week we had spartacus right and what this show likes to do is not show these figures in the way that we've come to know them. Sometimes we have a Spartacus where he shows up for three minutes and goes out all guns blazing, or in this case, sword and sandals, and gets killed straight away because he decides to make a stupid decision in the heat of battle. Okay, they don't seem too worried about correcting that part of the history. I mean, that's just a note that I've just realized. Here with Amelia Earhart, she's going a little bit crazy. And it's like, are they going to take this, you know, American historical figure and kind of put some revisionist history take on her? I mean, at this stage, we don't know. She's a victim of the time travel thing. But also, where is this going to end? I can't see Sarah and Gary bringing Amelia Earhart back and just dropping her into 2021 when this show was releasing and having that real life figure just pop up in a modern day America and surprise I'm back after you know decades missing don't ask any questions so how much are they going to play with what we know about this real life person and then eventually what leave her there have her make a sacrifice play have her killed in an attempt to escape it doesn't really matter one thing I was interested to see and maybe it was there to be seen last week but the new character Miss Cruz who was introduced as someone who had had experiences with aliens in the past and they've brought her on to help sort of use her alien radar and their attempts to try and find Sarah along the way she is already in the main credits at the beginning of the show so here the show is as part of the story she is only there for a little while and we're not getting this great feeling this great repertoire between her and the rest of the team she's not going to be sticking around very long but the show as a tangible piece of entertainment to us real world viewers is telling us no she's sticking around long term we're putting her in the opening sequence so get used to her the flash season seven episode nine timeless after a devastating betrayal barry turns to timeless wells for help iris leads team citizen down a dangerous road in search of answers cisco confides his biggest fear to camilla now as i said in the last dc podcast i actually didn't mind last week's episode and this one is good the way that it follows on from last episode started off feeling more like a two-parter than most double eps that we've seen across these shows in a long time the the speed force actually feels like a real threat too which yeah this show has been littered with speeds to villains across its many many seasons so maybe it's just a long time since we've actually had one and it felt a little bit fresher to me or the fact that the speed force is this 
this more focused threat at the moment. Apparently, its only target is the other three forces. But after the cliffhanger kill last episode, you're left with no doubt that it will succeed. Having said that, I guess the past speedsters have been threats to a very small group of people as well. They've all hated Barry. They all want to kill the Flash or kill those closest to him to make him suffer along the way before they eventually kill him. So none of them have had great dreams and aspirations of worldwide domination or disrupting a timeline by killing an entire city or anything like that. So maybe it is just the fact that we haven't had an actual speedster villain or that this one wears Barry's mum's face. Now, this was a weird episode. Barry was at odds with the rest of the team with his idea of how to stop the Speed Force, which was going back in time, don't know how he come up with that, to stop the forces taking over their hosts in the first place. And it wasn't even Barry breaking the rule of no time travel that got Team Flash offside in the first place. And I was... I found myself with him along the way. I honestly couldn't understand the argument against him. Now... In fairness, I did watch this episode across two sittings, but that midway point didn't make for a positive second half along the way. All of a sudden, Barry and Iris, once their little squabble had ended towards the end of the episode, they're talking about themselves as the the parents of the forces and, and wanting to see how they quote-unquote grow up. It wasn't quite delivered with the amount of cheese as the... Um, lightning rod talk was over the last couple of episodes and it's many many mentions but it was pretty close and then their lightning towards the end combined brings alexa back to life okay maybe that sort of tipped the cheese factor this was an episode of two halves and the second half was not great. Two halves or not though this show is always better with Tom Cavanagh and it was great to see him back and Surely not for the last time. If the showrunners only have one idea of how to keep this show going, at least at the time before it was announced that season nine was going to be its last, it would be, or it should have been, to keep Tom Kavanagh around as much as they possibly could. And we've also hit the point of Cisco leaving, or at least announcing that he will. Because I'm obviously watching these shows two years late, but I've kept generally protected from a lot of the details along the way. Carlos Valdez leaving the show, though? Not one of them. Definitely knew about that ahead of time. And the show actually gives Cisco a solid in-world reason to want out. He is a main player. He's been there since episode one. And these sort of characters and their relationships and their mission and their work along the way, it I never quite buy it about why they all of a sudden just want to hang up their hat and, and call it a day and move away from what's been keeping them there in the first place. I did kind of buy this one, though. He's been clashing with Barry more and more as the seasons have gone on. He's he suffered personally multiple times. He's in love with Camilla. He now feels the need to protect her and get out of Central City to do so. Hell, with Chester there, he's arguably been training his replacement this entire season. So while I do know that he is leaving, at least for a time, I don't know when that happens, but I think the building blocks are definitely there, and... I'd like it as an in-world decision, and I didn't think I would, even though Camilla setting those story beats up, I saw where it was going, and I did not think I would buy it once it actually happened. Colour me surprised. Supergirl, Season 6, Episode 7, Fear Cannot. It's Fear Not. I know how to read. As the Super... <laughs> 
I, I honestly, that gets me every time. As the Super Friends brave the Phantom Zone to bring Supergirl home, the members of the team are confronted by visions of their worst fears. Now, my first note while I was watching this show was, hey, look, Supergirl's back in her own show. And then we did not see her for the next 35 minutes. And I honestly thought along the way, we are not going to see her. I know this is the last episode that aired before Superman and Lois came back from its seven-week hiatus while Supergirl took its place in the broadcast schedule. And I thought, here we've been on this podcast complaining that we have not seen Supergirl in her own show. We had a two-episode arc where we never heard from her. She's been separated from the rest of the cast, from the rest of the story, and her own B-plot playing very little role in each episode's story as it was. And here we are. We are at threat that this is going to end on its own cliffhanger, and then we're going to come back in episode eight in however many weeks and finally get an answer. Now, the way that it ended, we didn't get that. But it took a long time to get there, and it just felt... So unnecessary along the way. Like, we've seen the Phantom Zone. We have seen the Phantoms. We know what the Phantoms can do. We know the infection. We know the fears that they can project on people and the threat that they possess. But here we are, everyone other than Supergirl, finally back in the same room at the same time. They've got what they need to save Kara. They've got the ship that they need to get there. They take off. They get to the Phantom Zone. Kara's there. She's injured. She's got no powers. Her dad's there. He's talking about dying. She's saying, don't give up. We're going to do this together. And then they give us another very cuttable storyline around the Phantoms taking over each member of the team that was on the ship, showing them their greatest fears, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, haven't we gotten this already? Now, what I did like initially was the fact that we saw each of them in their own little story arc covering that 10-minute period that just kept repeating. Once it did keep repeating, though, it got old real quick once I started doing the math of how long was left in this episode, and that by the time we got through the rest of the team, we weren't going to have enough time for Kara to come back and play any great role in her final season! I'm sorry. It probably did get me offside as well with Alex's fear vision coming first. Before we knew that was what was going on, it was... And Alex making dumb decisions as well. She was injured by one of the Phantoms. She was at risk of becoming one of them. And then decides to lock away one of their greatest allies, surely the most superpowered person and the most capable person on the ship in John, locking him up just so that she could be the one to put her little hoodie on and take on these Phantoms to get her sister back. And I thought, you are making this character make dumb decisions. And then once it was revealed what was going on, it's like, okay, her greatest fear is that she is going to succumb to her emotions and she is going to make dumb decisions along the way. I get that. But once we got that for every single member along the way and the fact that Lena is scared of water creatures because her mum drowned and Dreamer being afraid of not understanding her powers, we've covered that multiple times already this season. John's fears, Brony's fears. Did we need all of this to justify Kara coming back into her own show and rejoining her family and her friends, her entire team? I don't know that we did. It was like last week's episode was five minutes too short because once you cut out all of that expendable phantom stuff... This show was five minutes long of actual necessary storyline. The team come back together, they take off into the Phantom Zone, and they rescue Kara because once you take out that little 10-minute period, even in real time, they weren't in the Phantom Zone for that long. I was genuinely worried along the way as we were getting towards the climax and everyone understanding what their fears were. Have we done all of this? Have we done even the last six weeks 
to show how much of a team they are and how far they will go for each other. I feel like we know that already, right? They're a team because they know how much they can rely on one another. Again, we are one third, or now we are further along. We are seven episodes into a 20-episode season, and we've kept these bunch of characters apart for what purpose? Yes, I'm glad they're back together, finally. And yes, I'm even happier that it wasn't a cliffhanger to carry us over, but knowing that this was going to be the last one before we welcome back Superman and Lois, which I was a really big fan of in those first five episodes, I think that I'm ready now to put Supergirl back on the shelf for a couple of weeks, let Superman and Lois come back in, sort of wash all that away, and maybe when Supergirl comes back, we can kick off Season 6 properly with Kara in the real world, with her team, everyone around her, not separated because because of reasons, and just get on with the show that will become the finale to this character in this television universe. Damn, I did not mean to complain about it like that. I don't want to complain about these shows. I want to enjoy them. And I did enjoy a lot about some of these episodes. So back to Superman and Lois next week, as well as Batwoman, Legends, and The Flash. And on next week's episode, we might be able to talk a little bit about Blue Beetle because it comes out in Australia here in eight days. If you're listening to this in America, please know that we have suffered for the last three weeks that you have enjoyed in cinemas. Yes, at the top of the podcast, you might have noticed that I said it had just enjoyed its second weekend at the box office. Maddie and I recorded that about a week ago, and then I've recorded this because it took me um, an extra week to watch the Supergirl episode. We'll be back next week with more It's All Part of the Plan DC Talk right here on Get Into Geek. Get Into Geek.